It's like playing Madden, like, but in Madden. Wingstop, 20-piece. See, he drums only. This team on flats. Stafford's been the best quarterback I've played with. Um, the guy can flat out play. Man, I can always do work, bro. I can always do work. Y'all know what I am. Round six, pick 200. I can always get work. All right, let's fly. It's the Backstretch Podcast where we got four people in the studio. Lee Murray, Tommy Murray, John Dolan, myself. And I guess, John, I wanted to give you the opportunity. You, you texted that you had a, a fast food hot take. Did you want to share that now or did you yeah. want to share that after the show? Okay. Yeah, I, th- I was thinking of opening up with it. Okay. Well, first off, I just want to say that the Back Judge is an anti-racist podcast. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, yep. And uh, my fast food hot take, and Clef, I think you're going to agree with this, is I think that KFC is better than Chick-fil-A. And I don't Ooh. really think it's that close, honestly. Wow. If you, if you just look at the menus and kind of what's being offered there and sort of what the prices are for the bang for your buck, you're going to get one sandwich and, you know, some waffle fries for seven seventy nine or whatever it is at Chick-fil-A. But seven seventy nine at KFC, that's going to get you like a bucket. I mean, maybe a couple Chicken Littles. I just really think that so the discrepancy... This, this is discre- economic. This is no, econ- no, 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 no. I mean, it tastes better too. I mean, I think the Colonel's recipe is superior. I don't think there's any. Well, well hey, 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 let me. Before, I mean, before we comment, let me throw it to Lee here, who who wants down two five dollar Philip chicken pot pies. Yeah. Uh, uh, what was that experience like for you? Because in terms of the value, well, it was you could the... get two five dollar Philip chicken pot pies for the price of a. Clef, you're of misremembering. It was it was two famous bowls. Yeah. It was two, two famous bowls. I went I went back to back on famous bowls. I haven't eaten at KFC since, and I <laughs> and I don't regret it. I don't regret it, and I'll go back someday. I know I'll go back someday, but that that day is yet to come. I got all the respect in the world for KFC, but I don't even think there's you can't even begin to make a quality argument between KFC and Chick Fil A, and I think that Chick Fil A, in terms of quality, you know, it, really tough to beat fast food wise. Nah. Agree to disagree. Come on, I'm with you on KFC Island. Uh, KFC yeah. or, or wow. uh, Chick Fil A brought in the mac and cheese recently, which was which was a welcome step. But uh, here's the thing about about Chick Fil A: I eat one of those sandwiches and I need another. Yeah. Right. So, well, so when I'm in Chick Fil A, my bill is 15 to 17 bucks. Mm. Can't be having that, mm. you know. So so yeah, at, at KFC, I can get that that value and the quantity. I, I can agree with what Lee said because I had a similar thing. Like I went to Burger King. I used to love Burger King. I went mm. to Burger King and I had the Rodeo King, um, <laughs> and it has like 60 grams of trans fat or something, and like 80 grams of protein. And I had that and a crispy chicken junior on top of it. And uh, this was in 2017, and I haven't been back since. So I can understand kind I of respect the that. After. I respect that, Dolan. You can understand where I'm coming from the on time. the back-to-back famous bulls. Oh, that's that's unheard of, man. A lot that's of potatoes, special. man. Yeah. Next week on the on the podcast, we have uh, Bob Carlton to talk about the time he ate the Taco Bell volcano box after the Lions went 0-16. <laughs> oh my gosh, that'd be something. Yeah, that was. I'm pretty sure the the last game against the Packers, it was like on Christmas Eve or something too. That's a tough scene. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the, the subject of, of today's pod, and that is QB tears. This was. Uh, Prompted from a from a text from Tommy of a screenshot of Jason Lockenfora's tears. <laughs> uh, let's just start off by that man is the joke of of the of the football insider world. 
Um, if anything he says that's reported by sources, just assume the opposite will happen. He gets stuff wrong all the time. Uh, hopefully CBS furloughed him. Hey, but uh, <laughs> nightmares. That's, that's what we're about in the back, Judge. Um, <laughs> so let's let's get into the tiers. I think for for a little bit of fun, none of us agreed to the tiers that were set up originally, so we all just have have different ones, but. Um, I'm just going to start off our conversation by just naming my top 10. And my top 10 consists of elite and tractor quarterbacks. So what I mean by a tractor quarterback is a quarterback who pulls the rest of the team along with him uh, and, and can elevate people around him rather than maybe a trailer quarterback, which would be my next category where you got to build a good team around this player for them to be successful. So I'll just start at number one. I have Mahomes. Uh, honestly, I think if you ask anybody in the NFL who could I have for one game for quarterback, I think they would just take Mahomes. Um, you can argue that maybe he benefited a lot from Alex Smith and, and you know Andy Reid, but at this point in his career, I think no matter what system you plugged him into, he would he would just be an elite starter across the NFL. So he's my number one. Number two, I have Russell Wilson, who just consistently year after year. Uh, elevates the supporting cast around him. Uh, they haven't really had a good running game since Marshawn Lynch left, yet the Seahawks have been just as competitive with Wilson in there. Um, number three, I have Tom Brady, and I know he had a bit of a down year last year, but the supporting cast was terrible. And I think when you surround him with guys who are good, like that's in Tampa Bay, uh, I think he's going to have a much better season. Uh, and then number four, I have Deshaun Watson, a guy who has maybe been limited by the supporting cast around him, but uh, I think is one of the elite talents. And rounding out my elite class, I still have Aaron Rodgers. I know last year was a little bit of a down year, but the guy just doesn't make mistakes. He's a winning quarterback, and, and you can't really take anything away from him. Uh, and then getting into my tractor my tractor class, I have Breeze at six. Uh, I got Lamar at seven. I have Stafford at eight. I have Wentz at nine. And then I got Kyler Murray sitting at ten there. So, And, and for, for the record, too, all of us made these lists kind of projecting like where we think the quarterback scene will look like at the end of the 2020 season when we look back on what happens this year where we think these quarterbacks will be at so while Kyler maybe didn't have a top 10 season last year I think just based on the offseason that the Cardinals will have or have had that he will be in that conversation uh, towards the end of the year mm-hmm. I, I agree with the top 10 overall like I I mean there's some I obviously don't necessarily love the Brady pick um, I broke mine up kind of into different tiers the ones that Lee was talking about um, so in my first tier uh, was elite QBs. I only had two quarterbacks in my first tier, and that's Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. Um, and I really think that those are the two, only two elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Those are the only two. I mean, you want to talk about tractors. Those are the definitions of tractors, especially Russell Wilson, which I know you guys are all huge fans of Russell Wilson, so I'd love to have a little conversation about him. Um just looking at the progress he's made in his career, kind of from when he came in in 2013 um, or 2012 um, and was sort of a, um, for lack of a better term, he was a bit of a game manager back then. He was a run first guy um, and they had those elite defenses, but kind of in the past couple of years, he's just turned into just a pure pocket passer almost for the most part. He doesn't really run too much anymore and kind of a strong armed quarterback uh, for 5'10". Um, so I really can't say enough good things about Russell Wilson. I think that he gets a little bit overshadowed maybe by his peers having gaudier numbers like Lamar and Mahomes have had the past couple seasons. But I think that the the gap between Russell Wilson and Mahomes is closer than the gap between Russell Wilson and the third best quarterback in the league. I, I wasn't really thinking in those parameters, Dolan, but I kind of agree with you. 
Um, I guess I can get into mine. Mine and I, uh, I kind of did it. Uh, my first tier had eight quarterbacks in it, and I would agree with you though that Mahomes and Wilson were really kind of the sure the sure things. I didn't really have to think about. Um, I almost put Wilson at one just because I think. Almost if I'm trying to win a game, regardless of scheme and, and team around me, I think Wilson probably gives me the best shot right now uh, just because of how long he's been in the league, his veteran leadership, and what he's been able to do in Seattle, which I think is a much worse situation than Mahomes has walked into in Kansas City. So I was uh, locked up with you, but since Mahomes, you know, the Super Bowl and, and, you know, the reputation and the narrative that kind of surrounds him right now, he's my number one, Wilson at two. Um, I had Deshaun Watson at three just because of, again, kind of he has the, the Wilson-esque uh, you know, play style and results down in Houston. I think that's a team that, you know, the line obviously got better last year, but for most of his career, it wasn't really there. And, and Deshaun Watson, you know, he's been Houdini down there and really has put the team on his back. Um, number four, I had Aaron Rodgers, who I still think, um, I don't know if Rodgers is, I don't want to say he's elite, but he's kind of in that Brady realm right now where if you get you know, requisite talent around him. He's not as mobile as he was, but he's still as smart as ever behind the line of scrimmage and is still incredibly accurate and still is a game changer. At number five, I had Kyler. This is where Kyler came in, and this is a little bit of projection. And, I mean, I wasn't necessarily thinking in the terms of what the QB landscape is going to look like after this year, but if I were to project, I think Kyler would be my number three in terms of what the narrative is going to be on him after this year just because of – his talent, his skill set, and what that potentially could look like this year with a much better uh, surrounding cast in Arizona. And I still think, based on what I saw last year from Kyler, um, the accuracy, the, the being able to throw in the run, the athleticism, I mean, I think the biggest knock for, against him for, for me is just he takes a little too many sacks, kind of like Watson, too. I think that's a, that's a fair critique of, of both of their games. They kind of try to do a little bit too much, but hey, the highs are incredibly high with Kyler, and I think we're going to just see even more of that this year. At six, I had uh, Carson Wentz, who I think kind of had an underrated year last year. Uh, you know, all around him was was burning down to the ground, and, and he was able to, I still think, you know, play really well and really will this team to that playoff berth, and had he not gotten hurt in that game against Seattle, I, I kind of thought that, that Philly was uh, going to win. I had money on Seattle, and that was you know, just to see the way that the, that team rallied around him and just the skill set that, that he brings as well. Uh, athleticism, being able to throw in the run, extend plays. Uh, at seven, this is where I had Brady. Uh, I completely agree with Klepp's take on Brady, and I'm, you know, I'm sure we all kind of agree on it. I think last year was more, uh, more the, the, the down year kind of had more to do with the surrounding talent and kind of what he was dealing with and not really having a, a go-to guy with Gronk being gone. Uh, but I think he's going to, you know, return to form in Tampa Bay, and they're going to have a really good year. And at eight, I had uh, Matt Stafford, who uh, I think if, if he plays like he did last year, that's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think he's for sure a top-ten quarterback. And if he's able to stay healthy, again, all the, arm, you know, arm, requisite arm talent and being able to do a lot with, with little around him. So this is a big year for Stafford, too. And I guess to, to round out my top ten, I, I put two guys who I think the system really elevates them, but it's hard to – it's hard to go against, you know, what they're going to be able to bring on each Sunday, and that's Lamar Jackson, the number nine, who I still think, you know, the the talking about what he's able to do as a passer and his, you know, deficiencies as a passer, I think that's that's completely valid. But that being said, the way able that he's able to run the ball and the able to, the the way that they're able to run the ball as a team, uh, it just makes him incredibly hard to defend. And if he's able to stay healthy, I mean, this is going to be a guy who's going to be in the MVP race. I mean, I think I think every year. And uh, to round it out, I had Drew Brees at number 10, who the arm talent is, is zapped. It's not there anymore. He can't throw the ball deep. 
But what they're able to do with Michael Thomas attacking the short and intermediate uh, areas of the field and now bringing in Emmanuel Sanders, I still think that, you know, this is a this is a quarterback who, again, processing, accuracy, it's all there. And, uh, you know, it's going to make the Saints, you know, an offensive powerhouse. So that's my top ten. Um, I didn't necessarily have a top ten. I just did uh, an elite category, and then the category underneath that is, is proven great. Um, and there are some quarterbacks who have proven to be great that aren't in my proven great category, and I would say the reason for that is because they've moved their way out of that category because I think their best playing days are behind them, and they're no longer, although they've proven to be great and can play great from time to time, they're no longer consistently great enough for me to put them in the proven great category. So just to get that out of the way first, I'll now say my elite and proven great category. Starting with elite, um, I had Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson. Uh, Those are the only three quarterbacks I had in the elite category because I think those are the only three guys in the league that you could basically put on any team and they move the needle significantly more than any other quarterback in the league. Um, so I really thought that those three guys are on an island alone there with their ability to um, affect in both the running game and the passing game. Um, and then in the proven great category, I have Tom Brady, Carson Wentz, Aaron Rodgers, and Matt Stafford. Uh, those are the only four proven great quarterbacks I have in this upcoming season. And um, <laughs> sorry, a little call from dad there. Um, but yeah, only only seven guys in the top two categories, um, because you know I, I I went hardball a little bit with this. I, I'm not ready to say Kyler Murray is proven great or elite. I'm not ready to say Lamar Jackson is proven great or elite. Um, so I'll get into my next category and explain that after. But kind of anticlimactic with with my seven guys there. But I think that's like the top end proven guys who I think have the highest floors at the quarterback position this year um, in the NFL. Yeah. So two things here. One, imagine when Ryan Pace listens to this podcast and hears <laughs> that, that both Mahomes and Watson are in Lee's elite category. I mean, what, you know, what, what, what is he going to think when he hears that? But then, uh, and number two, I think all of us had Stafford in our requisite top 10, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, I mean, where are we at with, with in, but the, here's a, the funny thing with Matt Stafford is it's, he's almost in, you could say he's, it might be even be in a clip here. And maybe that's because of, of what's going on around him in the organization, but when you look at it, at this point, he was drafted in 2009, and it's 2020, and there's not a divisional uh, championship, and there is not a playoff win. So, you know, when you're looking at Stafford, is it is it based off of purely what you saw last year in double system, saw him go down and get injured, and then you're thinking that, you know, the same thing from last year is going to happen in 2020, which I'm not saying is, is wrong, because obviously I have him in my top ten as well, but... In terms of the guys that we have up there, Stafford by far has the least amount, maybe, of you know career accolades. Yeah, if I could, you know, I think if we all we all are a little bit, you know, biased or at least we're all based in, you know, we're from the Detroit area, grew up here, so we all have the little bit of that that Stafford bias in our blood. But to be fair, I think you know, Clep, it's a combination of the talent and also yes, what we saw last year. But last year is almost kind of context into you know his career as a whole we know the talents there we know the numbers that he put up with megatron how he's kind of progressed from where he was early as a gunslinger and a guy who's going to throw for five thousand yards to where he is now and i think we all i think you know what kind of clicked in my mind when you were saying that is that we all don't think that last year was just you know a fluke we we know the talent we and last year was kind of just a sign of what you know of things to come and he was playing at an MVP level last year. And even if he regresses slightly this upcoming year, I still think that's a top-ten quarterback in the NFL. 
And, yeah. and to piggy off that, Tommy, too, like you saw how the team fell off when he left. Exactly. Right. So it's so I think that contributes to it too. Go ahead, John. Sorry. I mean, I, I think that um, I agree with both of you guys, and also in Clep, sort of thinking about it being a clip here for Stafford. I agree with that too. Um, and sort of uh, my opinion of Stafford, you know, he's always had the talent. He's always been a blast to watch. But um, when you really look at his progression as a true pro and a veteran, a guy who commands the locker room, the huddle, you know, calls his own plays, makes audibles at the line. Um, his progression after Calvin Johnson retired is really what sort of sold me on Stafford. Because for a while, people were saying that Calvin, you know, carried Stafford. You know, anybody can just throw it up to him. But Matthew Stafford was the perfect quarterback for Calvin Johnson. He was the perfect guy to, you know, just let it rip 50 yards and let him go up and jump and get it. And I think that Stafford, since Calvin has left, not only has he kept that uh, level of production up, but actually, you know, increased and become a smarter quarterback and cut down his turnovers. I think that the only thing this guy is missing is team success. And that's kind of the hardest part about it. And we sort of can judge guys on a different scale sometimes when they're on a franchise like the Lions. I mean, he was coming into the darkest situation in NFL history, arguably, when he was drafted. But at the same time, with what Klepp's saying is his cliff here, I think it is. I mean, because if you look at the Lions not being successful as a team, you're going to have a guy who, a quarterback, the, the GM and the coach will be gone, um, and you're going to have a new regime coming in, and here you have a quarterback who, you know, is kind of on the wrong side of 30 now. It'll be 33 when the season's up. Um, I don't think any of it is his fault, you know, for the lack of team success. I think he's really carried the Lions ever since Calvin Johnson retired. But if he just can't get those wins, it's going to be hard to argue, you know, keeping him around no matter how much he passes the eye test, no matter how, you know, good of a pro, good of a person he is. It's just sometimes something has to change. And I, I feel like this is definitely a clip here for him and, you know, the entire Lions regime right now, I feel like. Well, well said, Dolan. I would, the only thing I would say about that is, and I know Aaron Rodgers obviously has more to show for his career so far, but I would similarly say it's a cliff year for Aaron Rodgers after the Packers selected Jordan Love in the draft this year, and they're kind of changing direction as a franchise. I don't know if it's nearly the situation that the Lions are in, but I mean, I would be just as, um, you know, surprised if Stafford left that, or if Rodgers left that if Stafford left. You know, I think they're kind of in mm -hmm. similar situations in terms of the juncture that they're in um, with their, you know, respective franchises. But I think that was very well said, Dolan, and I really agree with, with the sentiments of what you were saying for the most part. Um, and I, I do think this is a I think if Stafford has another year where the Bevel offense looks good, but the division kind of outworks them and they win eight games, like, I'll be hard-pressed to say that I want another year of Stafford when he's going to be 33 or 34, you know? He's a tough guy to evaluate just because of the situations mm -hmm. he's been in. And quarterbacks get, you know, too much credit and they get too much blame. So if something happens again, like, it's going to be a sad day when Stafford leaves. And I really hope he can find success in a, on a different team. But, you know, he loves Detroit and I want him to stay. But, yeah, like I said, it's just got to be the team success. Let's get into, I have, oh, sorry, yeah, I have something I wanted to talk yeah. to you guys about because in my second tier, I did it in like a rising stars way. Um, and I had Deshaun Watson in my uh, rising stars categories uh, still because um, Lee was talking about earlier, like for saying a guy's elite, it, it has to be, you know, set in stone, completely proven. And I'm as big of a Deshaun Watson fan as there is. Like you guys know, that's my guy. But, um, and I think he could be the one B to Mahomes one A for a long time, but I'm still looking for that kind of, you know, just eye popping statistical season. Um, hopefully it'll be this year. Um, he's going to have his work cut out for him without D hop. 
But, um, you know, sometimes he can just be a little bit inconsistent. You know, his mm-hmm. interceptions, they were high in college, and um, they weren't high his sophomore year, but this past year he threw 12. And he had that stinker against the Broncos, you know, when he was coming off one of the best games of his career. So I think he just needs to get a little bit more consistent before, um, like, you know, Deshaun Watson, like he is, you know, the Manning to Mahomes' Brady or something. Because I think that's, yeah, yeah I think that's we're totally kind of in that fair. transition period. I think that's totally fair. Yeah. The only reason I would say I put Watson in the elite category is just because of, and I know that this is a, a bit blasphemous to say at this point, but because of the fact that Patrick Mahomes' situation, I think, has been so much more appealing than Deshaun Watson's. And I think that to play the game of if Deshaun Watson went to the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes went to the Texans, I don't think reality would be that much different from where it is currently. I think that those guys are kind of in the same category. Mahomes definitely a little more polished at this point of his career. But I think Watson has the potential to be the Manning to his Brady, so to speak. And if I could just say something really quick, I think it's kind of – it's interesting how we all rank these guys into tiers because there's a clear, you know, you can, you know, you can say, you know, Mahomes, Wilson, and you can throw Watson in there too. But there's a certain tier of guys who are veterans, you know, the the old guard of of Rodgers, Brady, Breeze. Uh, you know, I'm I'm probably I'm probably missing some. You can even throw, you know, Big Ben, Stafford. We, the list yeah. goes on. I don't want to spoil our tiers, but then you have guys who potential who offer for sure a higher ceiling than these guys but they don't have necessarily the floor there and that's when i would throw in you know kyler carson wentz we saw i mean you know a a bunch of these guys lamar jackson too you know uh, all these young quarterbacks so it's hard to accurately kind of place these guys where you can balance the how you feel about them as a prospect and projecting them totally with the floor compared to a guy like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers who had a little bit of a down year last year, but they're still going to get your team into the playoffs. And it's like Lamar Jackson has played like 20 football games in his NFL career yeah. or something like that. Like, and Tom Brady has played however many. So it's like the, there's really, it's really tough to compare that amount of games played for certain players. You've just seen so much more of someone else. Yeah. He's so much, it's so much more set in stone what, you're gonna, what to expect and what to get. And before we get into the second tier, Dolan, I mean, I've, I've had, you know, three sips of my beer, and I already can't remember, you know, half of your guys' rankings. Did you have Lamar? <laughs> Do you have Lamar in the top, your top ten, or your? Have you gotten to him yet, or is he? Well, I'll, uh, I'll I'll finish out my uh, rising stars if well, uh, if that's cool with okay. you guys. And I, I, uh, the, I just want to say we should have a Lamar Jackson discussion because I yes. think he is incredibly incredibly interesting. So that's what I'll say. I had a, I'll finish up with you guys uh, in the rising stars because I actually I have a controversial one that I you guys probably won't agree with. Um, but uh, I had I this is pretty stupid, but I put Carson Wentz in rising stars. I know he's 27, but I just did that due to circumstance. Um, he had his coming out party in 2017 and got hurt and kind of missed the whole playoff run. Um, and then this past year, like Lee said, or, or I think it was Tommy actually, where he said, you know, he made something out of nothing with thrown to Greg Ward and uh, having Miles Sanders sort of be the leading receiver of the team as a running back. Um, he's got all the talent in the world. I just, you know, it's a weird circumstance where, you know, something hasn't kind of clicked in a couple of these years. And then I have Kyler Murray, obviously, in my um, rising stars category. Although I think that there is a small, I, I don't know if you guys are scared of this, but. You know, trade for a star receiver, got a weak offensive line that you ignored, got a second-year number one quarterback out of uh, Oklahoma. 
you get any Browns vibes with this year's Cardinals? No, because Kyler is a think much Kyler and player. Baker couldn't Baker. be more different. Yeah. I, I love it. I That's love the it. Only... <laughs> I agree. That's the, the difference. I... Yeah, Kyler Murray is a better football player than Baker Mayfield is, and he can elevate people more than Baker can, I think. Yeah. I also believe in Cliff Kingsbury and the brass there in AZ a bit more than anything Cleveland had cooking up the whole mm-hmm. time. Yeah, better than Hugh Jackson and Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll exactly. agree with you there. Kingsbury's system is actually, I, I love it. I, it tires the defense out mm-hmm. by the end of the game. We saw it firsthand week one against the Lions. Um, and then Lamar Jackson, obviously, in the Rising Stars. Um, the conversation I would maybe want to have with him is um, higher volume passing numbers. I'd like to see some more passing attempts. and I'd like to see some more um, outside the numbers completions. Because um, even when he was throwing deep, he's got a you know a really strong arm. Uh, he was throwing a lot of deep posts over the middle to uh, Hollywood Brown and um, Mark Andrews over the middle was his favorite target. Um, I'd love to see some outside the numbers passes out of him. And then last on my rising stars, Daniel Jones. And right next to it, I put screw it. That's whatever I just said. I'm going to put Daniel Jones there. Um, and I just did that basically out of him. He really surprised me last year. Um, watching that um, comeback, well, for, uh, the way he deals with everything off the field is ideal for uh, a quarterback playing in the New York um, media market. He kind of reminds me of Eli in that way. Um, and um, his 17-point comeback in his debut against the Buccaneers, uh, the mobility showed, um, and kind of the better accuracy than he had in college. He only completed like 56% of his passes in college. Um, I think that if he had played all 16 games, he would have broken Baker's touchdown record. And the fumbles suck, yeah, but uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and project Daniel Jones as a really good quarterback in the future. Very interesting. I, I respect that, Dolan. I'm just surprised you didn't throw Locke in there as well. No, nah, I had to be a little realistic with my guy, and we'll talk about him later. But he, he's got a he's got the shortest leash out of any second-year quarterback, I think. Uh, Clint, uh, t- you, you, oh, I was going to say, you want to go ahead and well, give us your... I, I, yeah, two things. I mean, Tommy, I just wanted to touch on your. I didn't want to disregard your, you know, Lamar. Yeah. Stuff. I mean, for me, I have. I mean, I have Lamar as the seventh best quarterback in the NFL. I have him above Stafford. So far, two years in the NFL, he's gone to the playoffs twice, and been a main reason why his team got there. The the Ravens were the one seed in the NFL last year, or in the AFC last year, and. Yeah, maybe maybe he will never be a prolific passer yardage-wise. I mean, who knows if he'll ever throw for more than 4,000 yards in a season, but he's an efficient passer. You can't deny that. He threw for 30-plus touchdowns and, what, like four picks last year? Yeah. So, you know, the, the mistakes, you know, aren't even aren't really there with him. And then he adds, what, like 1,200 yards on the ground? So those yards that he's not really getting through the air, he, he's adding through the ground. And to, to me, the two playoff performances were – have. It's definitely something uh-huh. you can, you know, to put him in, in my tractor category and say, you know, have another shot at it. Like, and I'm not going to be, you know, if I were say, you know, to put money on a game, I'm not going to be afraid of putting money on Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. You know, I think, I think I, he definitely deserves another, another year at it. Um, and then, and then another conversation I kind of wanted to get into um, as we get into to my trailer section of my list, um, four guys that I think are interesting because, they're, they're, they've all been in the league for a while, but I just had a hard time kind of figuring out where I wanted to rank them. But I ended up ranking that. So I'm talking about Roethlisberger, uh, Tannehill, Rivers, and Bridgewater. And these are four guys that I, I didn't really know where to put um, or, or what to think of maybe Rivers and, and Big Ben at this point in their careers 
or what to think of Tannehill, because I think if you look at Tannehill, when he played last year, he was probably a top-ten quarterback in the NFL in the games that he played. Obviously, the playoffs, he didn't throw as much, but in the games he played in the regular season, he was a top-ten performer, but am I betting on that to happen in 2020? Not necessarily. So I ranked it as Big Ben, Tannehill, Rivers, Bridgewater, but I'm not sure you know how you kind of figure, figure that in terms of breaking those four guys. Uh, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack both of these real quick because I want to talk about Lamar because I would just listen to the a- our AFC North preview from last year, and it's just hilarious to listen to us. You know, we, we see the potential with the Ravens, but we completely just disregard Lamar as a passer, and we're just like, well, how many games is Lamar Jackson going to be able to win? And, and, you know, Baker Mayfield's coming off that his rookie year that he had last year, and we all were operating under this, you know, objective fact that Baker Mayfield is who we would we would much rather have him over than Lamar Jackson. And I think if Lamar Jackson is able, if their offense more more than Lamar Jackson are, is able to replicate the efficiency that clip that you alluded to, you know, starting by you know rushing the ball. I mean, this is kind of like the my my main point is, you know, the what Tennessee did to Lamar, making him throw to the boundary, like Dolan was talking about, and making him throw on the sideline and eliminating the middle of the field, and then doing their best to eliminate the run game, and that kind of was the strategy to stopping Lamar Jackson. And we all have seen, you know, quarterbacks have one year, and then they start to get figured out. And especially, it, it worries me with a guy like Lamar, who's so, you know, uh, he relies so heavily on his ability to run. And he's 215 pounds. He's really good at avoiding hits. But, again, it's just how – it's so interesting to me because you got to expect that he's not going to have the same year this upcoming year. There's going to have yeah, to be – Yeah, a- but the thing with Lamar and his running, though, it's not like Josh Allen and Josh Allen has an ability to run. Like, Lamar Jackson might be a better running quarterback than Michael Vick, right? Yes. Like, it's, it's an elite trait. So I think that's where it's a little bit different. But Michael Vick was able to have a prolific second half of his career based on his ability to extend plays. Like, I mean, and not really much as much scramble. And then he, he had a much better arm than Lamar Jackson. I think the arm talent with Michael Vick was much better. And I'm just saying, with Lamar Jackson, it's like, are, no, they're, are we they're looking, in a different yeah. conversation? And, and that's why I think it's interesting with Lamar because are we looking at a guy who's going to have, you know, what is his career going to look like when he's 29 years old, 28 years old? We've seen with Cam Newton. You know, Cam Newton was a different, yes, he was a much more physical type of runner, but was able to stay relatively healthy until he had that car accident and, like, broke his back. You know, the guy was pretty much healthy for the first couple years of his career. I just think it's interesting with Lamar because if the – I just want to see what he's able to do when – you know, the run game isn't going for him, and he's going to have to make big-time throws, which is kind of what it comes down to to the majority of all NFL quarterbacks that don't have his athletic ability. The dude might be the best athlete in the NFL. Like it's, it's unbelievable, and he's playing quarterback. So that's why I think he's so interesting to, you know, kind of project in the coming years. And, uh, you know, and you got to give credit to the Ravens, too. You know, if, if Lamar Jackson's on the Jets, what does his career look like so far? Oh. I think that. I think that's an interesting question, and I think that's part of the analysis. I don't know if you guys want to touch on Lamar at all. I was just going to say one quick thing. I have all the same concerns that uh, Tommy has because, like, I, projecting Lamar is the hardest thing to do right now. But um, I think that just with the season he just had and winning the MVP, I kind of just have to, you know, production-wise, 
he's a top five to seven ish quarterback. And I just, I feel like right now at that moment, since we haven't seen him, you know, sort of have the chance to sort of show he had any regression, I just got to have him in that category. But like you, I'm worried about projecting him for the future because he very well could prove us all wrong and, you know, just keep doing what he's been doing. Um, He's been proving people wrong his whole career, but um, just incredibly difficult to project, but I'll go with him as a top five quarterback going into this year. Lee, did I, uh, did I, yeah, I mean, you pretty much covered it. I'm not, I've never been a huge Lamar Jackson, you know, like advocate of his play. I've never thought he was that great. I really have liked him way more as a player since he's been in the NFL. Um, He's already proven me wrong. I didn't think that he was going to be a great quarterback in the NFL. So he's already done that. So I I definitely don't want to say that he can't continue to prove me wrong. I think he's totally capable of doing that. At this point, I honestly expect him to to keep doing that because everyone is saying that he's the best quarterback in the league with Mahomes. He's in more conversations with Mahomes than Deshaun Watson is. So um, I I think it's at this point it's expected, and that scares me because I don't think that Lamar Jackson can rely on his arm to win games, and I still think that the Ravens can be a successful football team moving forward. But I do think that's a really interesting question of you know if he was on the Jets, what would happen, or you know what's his career going to look like when he's 29. And I hate to be the guy to bring up the Harbaugh connection with Kaepernick and how unstoppable Colin Kaepernick looked for a short period of time in the NFL. But um, you know we've seen this running attack. Uh, work extremely well for a year even in the NFL, but at a certain point, uh, the buck has always stopped in the past, and people are kind of expecting Lamar to buck that trend. I think if anyone can do it, it's Lamar, but I still think it's and, a very hard thing to do. And look at their draft this year, you know, like getting a guy like Devin DuVernay who just yeah. completely destroys the middle of the field. Like, that's all that that's all he's going to do, you know, just... That's the thing with Lamar, too, is you have to factor in the Ravens and that organization and how they're going to continue to help him out. So definitely an interesting conversation. I guess we're a little bit all over the board with the rankings. I mean, Clep, to answer your... Yeah, let's go to the Clep tier. To answer your, uh, you know, what is it, Tannehill, Rivers, Big Ben, and Teddy B, I had them all in the 20s. I had Tannehill... Um, I had Big Ben at 19, Rivers at 20, Tannehill at 21, and and Teddy B at 22. So I had them all in succession, and I completely... Take your point with Tannehill. Um, I mean, in retrospect, I probably should put him at 19 because I think Rivers and, and Ben are kind of zapped, but I'm just going to give them a little bit more respect. And Teddy B, I think, is a uh, – I have Teddy B right spot, uh, a spot ahead of Derek Carr because I see them kind of similarly as conservative game managers who don't really push the ball down the field but can keep you in games and are not going to turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, and I actually, in mine, I have Tannehill in a tier above um, Big Ben, Phil Rivers, and Teddy B in my very good slash solid tier. Um, I have Tannehill there, and um, I think that Adam Gase kind of ruined Tannehill a little bit in his last year in Miami, and kind of that was part of the reason why um, people were souring on Tannehill, and he had to start last year as a backup. Um, he's always been a good athlete, um, but I just saw arm strength out of him that I had never seen in his career. I still think he's a huge regression candidate, but right now um, I, I feel decent about Ryan Tannehill going into the season. I don't know about that four-year, you know, however many million-dollar deal it was. That might be a little much. But um, And then in the other tier, I think there are just guys at this point in their career, like uh, whether you're taking them for 2020 or years on are just better football players than Phillip Rivers and Big Ben right now. I'm really sour on those guys um, and kind of in the tier of guys I'd, ha- I'd take over them, you know, from now and in the future. Like, I think Matt Ryan is someone we got to talk about mm-hmm. who um, 
is kind of in like a bit of a Stafford position with some more team success under his belt. I think that Matt Ryan is like somehow, you know, one of the most and least criticized quarterbacks in the league at the same time. He's sort of just been there for a long time. And I think, you know, he's Kyle Shanahan calling pass plays in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl away from maybe being like a Hall of Famer with some of the numbers that he's put up. So I think that he's a really interesting case. And I'd take Matt Ryan, you know, if I got to win a game right now, I'm taking Matt Ryan any day over Big Ben and uh, Phillip Rivers. Yeah, I had all four of those guys in, the, in my trailer category. Um, Bridgewater, Tannehill, Roethlisberger, and Rivers. No disrespect to any of them, but I don't think any of those guys are really going to move the needle that much once they join a team. And I think that they have to be the second or third best asset on the team. They can't really be the best asset on any team they're on. But I want to quickly introduce my third division, which is the mobile division. And I called this the mobile division because I think all of these players are poised to either move up a rank or down a rank in this upcoming season, and a lot of them have moved down or up a rank from last season. I expect a lot of movement to happen this year, um, and that includes Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Dak Prescott, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, and then the young guns, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Sam Darnold. Um, if you like hmm. Baker a little bit more than I did, maybe you can conversate with him being in there. Same, same goes for Daniel Jones or Drew Locke, but I personally have kind of seen all those guys more as trailer players, so those are the guys in the mobile division. Um, you can definitely make an argument against Darnold being in this division. I personally just like Darnold a lot as a quarterback and think that the Jets have kind of botched their situation with him, but luckily he's still really young, and I still think he has a lot of potential. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I, I, Matt Ryan just last season kind of pushed him out of the proven great. Drew Brees still extremely accurate, but his inability to push the ball down the field and just the Saints coming up short year after year recently has kind of mm -hmm. pushed him out of the proven great category. Although he is proven great, I still think that his best playing days are behind him. And then the young guns, Tommy, uh, you know, you, you having Kyler at five, I mean, I, that's a little bit rich for my liking right now, even with how much I like Kyler. But if you ask me what are the odds of Kyler winning MVP, I definitely would say that they were higher than Vegas thinks they are. So... Um, I can see, you know, he, the way we're talking about Lamar, if Kyler has an MVP season and Arizona completely booms and wins 13 games, um, is he elite? Is he in the proven great category? You know, who knows? So we have, I have high hopes for some of those young guys. And then the older guys are kind of, I think, like Matt Ryan and Breeze are moving their way out. And then I think that Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, and Jimmy Garoppolo are kind of all in a category of their own right now in terms of guys that are – Kind of getting near 30. Cousins a little bit older than the other two, if I'm not mistaken. But just you don't really know if some people think they're elite. I'd say like 25% of people think they're elite, and then the rest of people just understand them for who they are, which is solid quarterbacks that are just ahead of 15, like quarterbacks, you know, 10 through 15 on any given day in any given rank. Um, and I think these are guys who... And they're in the mobile division because Garoppolo wins the Super Bowl. Is he proven great? You know, if Cousins goes in and beats the Niners, is he proven great? Same thing goes with Dak. Had an incredible year last year, but kind of can't get out of his own way with that Cowboys offense enough for um, the majority of people to, to say he's elite and to say, oh, yeah, pay him $40 million or whatever it is. So I think that's a really interesting conversation, and I think that's kind of where the meat of the middle of – good NFL quarterbacks is, is right where Garoppolo, Cousins, and Prescott is. I'd like to see anyone try to say one of those guys is marketably better than the other two. I just think that they're kind of all in the same category there. I think, I think Dak's better than both of them, but it's only I slightly. Agree. And I, I am... I just think the the mobility and mixed with the arm talent. Um, and I mean, and I don't think... I think Dak I very know, well... 
Dak, Dak, I don't know Dak, about that. Dak, Dak very well this year could, you know, be the statistically the best quarterback in the NFL, and I still think that's, you know, I just I think there's a good chance that Dak has a really good year this year, and people are going to be like saying, oh, now this proves he's elite. When in reality, it's another year in this Kellen Moore offense. They added Ceedee Lamb. You know, Tony Pollard is going to continue to prove everyone that he's a complete stud. You know, I, I but I do agree with you, Lee, that it is kind of like in that in that middle. You know, I'll, I'll get into my. I mean, I had tier two, and that started with my putting Lamar at nine. That was the beginning of my tier two. So I had Lamar at nine, Breeze at ten, and then I had Donald at eleven. And yeah, this is my bias pick, but it's a it's a combination of upside and you know what I think of the player. Uh, and comparing a guy like Darnold to uh, Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins, and that kind of you know this this tertiary level of quarterbacks that we're talking about. I think that he's by far in the worst situation and is more talented than both of them. So it's kind of a reflection of that. I understand that he hasn't uh, proven it in the NFL to, to the same level as those guys, but that's why I have him at 11. I had Prescott at 12, Matt Ryan at 13, Cousins at 14, um, and then I had uh, Burrow, Joe Burrow at 14. I don't know if we're doing huh. rookie, but I put Burrow in there because I think his floor is incredibly high for a rookie. Uh, and then I put Baker at 15. I put Baker Mayfield at 15 because I think he's another guy who's – this is kind of a cliff year for him. I don't know if we want to talk about Baker, but I think in this Stefanski system, the way that they're going to be able to run the ball with Nick Chubb, uh, the 12 personnel with all the tight ends that they have, and then I think this is going to be a bounce-back year for Jarvis and Odell. Um, and I think this is kind of where Baker Mayfield belongs. He's kind of like – again, this is the same logic I think with Dak. If Baker has a huge year this year offensively because their offense is start, all starting to hit on you know all cylinders, it's still kind, he's still kind of who he was when he was coming out of Oklahoma. Uh, he's a guy who's very accurate and can throw in rhythm, but and, and he needs that gamer, uh, kind of that gamer mentality with him. I think that's going to be really interesting this year. Is he going to get a swagger back because I think that's so much a part of his game. I'd love to talk about Baker. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I, you guys have been kind of cutting in and out. My Wi-Fi is on the on the fritz. Had you guys been talking about Baker before or not? Because I wanted to bring him up a little bit later. Yeah, but we were about. It, we were... I wanted to bring him up eventually. Sorry, I didn't mean to say it that way. I, 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 is, are we are we ready to talk about Baker? Yeah, let's talk about Baker. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I, so, I had I Dak at twelve too, hmm? uh, Tommy. That's where I had him. Okay, let's talk about, I mean, we should address Lee's Dak, you know, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, and then let's talk about no, the 2018 was, was Garoppolo, Cousins, Dak. Yep, okay, and then you guys can all talk about the 2018 quarterbacks, or, you know, we can talk about Josh Allen, too, and Baker, because Hell yeah. they also probably, you know, I like Lee's tiers. They, those are guys who I think are all on kind of the mobile uh, tier. Yeah, I think I, a guy I, that, oh, I mean, go you go, Club. Okay, I had Baker... I mean, I had Baker in my in my cliff year category, um, and, I, and I had him right there with with Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones, uh, and Haskins. I think that all these guys are, are guys that need to show something this year, um, and w whether that's fair or not. Um, to, to me, Baker, you know, had had a good you know coming onto the scene party as a rookie when he he kind of just went on a tear there at the end of the second half of the season. But then last year was a big disappointment. So we'll see how it works with Kevin Stefanski. And, you know, maybe a more detail-oriented scheme coming in for him. But uh, to me, uh, there's probably 20-plus quarterbacks I'd rather have for, for the 2020 season than Baker Mayfield. I just I like want to that. say real quick, I'm with you, Clep. And I was – there was no bigger Baker Mayfield fan than me way back when. And uh, I just think I'm off on the Browns. I don't really think – you're talking about their offense being – hitting on all cylinders. Like, yeah, they drafted a lineman and – they brought in Stefanski and signed Austin Hooper, but I still don't think that 
um, in that division, they, that really moves the needle too much for me. And I still think that this is a team. Comes down to Baker. Comes yeah. down to Baker, man. Yeah. All the talent. I mean, you can sit. If you look it at the skill Baker, but I just think that Baker is a. That's the very reason he's a trailer quarterback. Because even with all those weapons, we're still talking about them as maybe an eight-win team or a seven-win team. And I, I don't think a top fifteen. And not to mention that, that they've they've improved the O line this year. And and I mean, Lee and I obviously have our things with Jeffrey Wills and him moving to the left side. But you bring in you know Conklin and Wills, and that that helps out the O line hopefully a lot which was yeah. a big issue last year. So it's just going to be interesting to see how that translates into that's, year three. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying with Lee. Like, the the skill is all there for them. I mean, you can make an argument that they have the best skill positions in the NFL. I mean, Nick Chubb is might be the most underrated running back in the NFL, and they're getting True. a guy in Kevin Stefanski who did a lot of good things in Minnesota last year. Minnesota's offense was really good last year. So obviously you need to, uh, you know, assume that, that Stefanski's going to be able to bring that to the Browns organization. But I actually kind of like their the, the brain trust in there with Andrew Barry and Stefanski, and I kind of like what they're building. And I, and I do see them right around the 7 or 8 win mark, but I do think that that means that Baker is going to have a, a better year. I don't understand I mean, how you can say that their offense is that good and Baker's a top 15 quarterback, but yet you still think they're going to win seven wins. games. Yeah. Just, just, that just doesn't make sense It's like to seven and nine wins because – well, because I think Baltimore is better than them. I think, I mean, Cincinnati can compete with them, and then Pittsburgh is going to be have a really good defense. So you're saying everyone on in the division can compete with them, but they have a top 15 I quarterback. Think it's the and I think the Ravens are the top dog, and then there's a there's all three of those teams are kind of in the middle with the Browns and the uh, Steelers having a little bit of an edge over the Bengals. But if who knows what Burrow's going to be able to do as yeah. a rookie. I mean, unless Baker has some sort of unbelievable individual statistic season in a seven or eight win season, you're going to have people kind of calling for this guy's head if he goes out there and wins, you know, seven-ish games again. Well, there's there's of, no one left in Cleveland that is really tied to him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know the uh, we're going to talk about the 2018 draft. Like, I'm not the biggest Sam Darnold fan in the world. We can talk about him, but I always um, I I thought Sam Darnold was going to be picked number one. I was shocked when he wasn't, and. Um, I went back and watched the draft, uh, and Mayock was saying that, you know, Darnold, he thinks Darnold is the consensus number one. He should be the guy who goes first. But uh, John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson, you know, two guys who aren't very good at their jobs, fell in love with kind of Baker's moxie or whatever. They wanted this guy to come in and sort of change the culture. And so really he's not... You know, the most player in the league, like uh, he's not the most talented player in that draft class, and he shouldn't have been taken first. And I have him in my tier four of average to above average quarterbacks, sitting in like the 18 spot. And I, I think I'd rather have Jared Goff going into next year than Baker Mayfield. And we haven't talked about Jared Goff yet. I know you guys aren't huge fans of him, but I'm still holding out a little bit of hope for uh, Goff. I think that. Um, in terms of what Jared Goff is going to be in the NFL, I'd say that his 2017 season was more telling of him than 2018 and 2019. I don't think he's going to come and you know set the world on fire like he did in uh, 2018, which he threw for uh, 4,600 yards and you know a lot fewer picks than he did this past year and 10 more touchdowns in 2018. But I also don't think he's going to be some sort of high-volume, inefficient guy like he was this past year. I think if he can slot right into what he was doing in 2017 when he was you know, not necessarily throwing the ball 40 times per game, but throwing it 25 to 30 and completing two-thirds of his passes and not turning the ball over. I think him fitting into just the McVay system and not getting a lot of big volume stuff, that's going to be good for Goff. But with Baker, um, I've notoriously flip-flopped on him um, ever since the 49ers game uh, where I rode the Browns hard 
and uh, it was just the most pitiful performance I've ever seen um, in a, almost out of any quarterback. Um, I think that Baker's just he, he's a jackass off the field to me. Um, I think his his interception problem comes from the fact that I really don't think he gets enough velocity on his throws. We see this guy throw a lot of interceptions on slants and hitch routes, and his balls just get undercut by uh, defensive backs a lot. We saw it in the Tennessee game. Uh, We saw it in the Rams game. We saw it literally every game last year. I don't know what I'm talking about, but um, I think that Baker, you know, at his peak, he's got good to great accuracy, but um, he just, isn't he he beats up on weaker defenses he went off against the dolphins last year he's got a terrible record against winning teams stefanski went out and signed case keenum too yeah i hope keenum starts i mean the minute baker starts growling at stefanski week three when they're one and two he's gonna throw keenum in there save the day baker like it's gonna be interesting to see i think that baker very obviously, I'm very low on him, but I think he could very well be in the backup tier, you know, in a couple years. Yeah, I mean, if if Baker's figured out, and uh, he's not a guy who I think physically can, you know, transcend a you know a, a, a league that's figured him out in a in a bad team. I think we saw that last year, but I think the same goes for a guy like Jared Goff. And I mean, I had him yeah. kind of next level, right under Baker, and in with with Josh Allen and Jimmy Garoppolo to me. And I think a lot of what, you know, Goff, I think when he has a clean pocket and McVay is able to, they, when he has protection and has time, you know, the guy was the number one pick for a reason. He has one of the best arms in the NFL. He throws a great deep ball and is kind of an extension of McVay's offense. But we saw last year when you are able to get pressure on him. He's a guy who makes a lot of mistakes and is, you know, not really the same gamer that Carson Wentz is. You know, he's not a guy that I really want, you know, when a defense has figured him out and everything's collapsing around him and it's total chaos. Yeah, so, when it comes to Goff, too, like, I mean, to me, he's not in a really cliff year just because of the contract that he has. But in in my mind, in terms of him, you know, being able to be a competent NFL quarterback, it's it's a cliff year in, in that sense for me where I need to see, you know, him make something happen. And that NFC West isn't getting any easier year from year. So, I mean, how about, the Rams have, Rams have gone from contenders to kind of on the brink pretty quickly, especially just because of some of the organizational decisions they've made. Yeah, I kind of want to ask you guys a, a, a question here, a little uh, hypothetical, you know, Madden fantasy draft style. Regardless of you, get, you got to pick one quarterback, regardless of scheme and surrounding talent. Are you taking Jared Goff or Josh Allen? Allen. Allen. Yeah. Gotta Jared Goff. Got to take Allen. Jared Goff. You're you're getting polar opposites because I think it's um, I think it's interesting. Uh, Your Goff. Uh, yeah, I take Jared Allen. Goff. Yeah. I think it's I think it's super interesting because we saw last year what mobility does. I think the only reason Josh Allen is a competent quarterback right now is because what he's able to do with his legs. And you have Goff, who's a guy who is the exact opposite, where he needs a he need, he doesn't want chaos. Allen, you know, lives in chaos where he can run around and then chuck it downfield, and you know, you know, 25% of the time he's going to hit hit the guy, you know, with a perfect pass. But I think it's a really interesting question of guys who are kind of in cliff years, you know, potentially and do different things really well. I think Goff, even though like Goff has been in a better system with a better supporting cast, but he still has had you know seasons and team success that Josh Allen can only dream of at this point. I think, and I think obviously Josh Allen is sort of like I have Josh Allen and Sam Darnold in the same tier as Baker Mayfield, just kind of like right behind him. Um, and I think that Josh Allen, Lee has talked about this before. I mean, six five Trubisky with a nutsack. 
I think that there's I get a lot of 2018 Bears vibes out of the Bills. Um, and I, I was a Josh Allen guy for a while, but now Fromm's there, and I want him to start. So um, I, I'm off Josh Allen, and I think I, he somehow reminds me of, like, a less accurate version of Cam Newton. And, like, you know, they got the big bodies. They got the yeah. rocket arms. They got that windup where he just, you know, slings it on a bubble screen, and it sails out of bounds. Um, less, ac- less athletic. Yeah, yeah, athletic. obviously less athletic than Cam. Um, Josh Allen sort of just gets his yards by being tough to bring down, but – um, Allen is in a really weird spot right now where he's, you know, still raw as a quarterback, but, um, he's got such a good kind of system around him that McDermott's put in place where they even, you know, made the playoffs the year before Josh Allen got there. So he's kind of, they're in win now mode for sure, especially after the digs, um, trade. And I don't like Buffalo can't afford to have Josh Allen keep making these kind of head scratching throws. Like they're, they gotta be in it now. So I'm a little worried to see him going into next year and, I'd love to talk about Darnold after that, but if you guys have any thoughts on Josh Allen, he, he he's a tough quarterback to read. I mean, I, the the thing with I mean Allen, I mean Tommy sent me that tweet about Allen was over eight on passes over forty yards last year. Um, there's there's a lot of deep accuracy issues, and you just watch that Bills Texans game, and it's like, is there something kind of in his head that's just wired a little bit wrong mm-hmm. in, in terms of not yeah yeah in terms of not knowing kind of what to do, but. At the same time, Lee Super Bowl week, you know, put put his nuts on the table and said Goff was never going to win a Lombardi, and so you, you might be able to put any quarterback right up next to Goff, and Lee will Lee will just take the ladder because yeah, he's already man. put that prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. He's already put that prophecy down in the books. Yeah. So well, Lee um, hates Josh Allen too, so that's like a lesser. Yeah, no, that's a tough Eagles. one for me. Those guys both suck and are never going to be great. <laughs> but I think Josh Allen's got a better chance of winning a Super Bowl just based off pure grit, like Jim McMahon style. So um, I, 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 yeah, I, I'll take. Allen. Um, I just want to say that my trailer category had, uh, I think, like 15 quarterbacks in it um, in, the, in, in no particular order. I didn't order them. I probably should have done that, but um, here goes. Bridgewater, Tannehill, Baker, Rivers, Big Ben, Allen, Daniel Jones, Locke, Carr, and Goff. Um, that's my trailer category. I think everyone I just named could not even sniff uh, playoff or Super Bowl success without one or two other groups of people, whether it be defense, receivers, head coach, running backs, whatever it be, doing most of the grunt work to get them there. Um, I think these are trailer quarterbacks that can get the job done, but you really got to really set the situation up pretty much perfectly for them in order to do so. Um, you saw that magical Rams season that we just referenced a couple of years ago. They still couldn't get it done against the Patriots, and I think most of that is because Jared Goff overwhelmingly just the, the NFL gods glitched. That man shouldn't be winning a Super Bowl. So um, I think that uh, that wraps up the trailer category for me. These guys, um, I, I, if I were an NFL GM, I would probably be, be trying to replace all of these guys barring a breakout season from, from one of them upcoming. I guess um... – I will. I don't know if it's because I was so surprised by him being solid last year, but I think Daniel Jones. Um, I'm going to try and address my cognitive bias, and I, and I think I should. I'm a little higher on Daniel Jones now, maybe because I'm overcompensating for that. But I think if he's able to turn down the 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 uh, the turnovers and a lot of the fumbles and the interceptions, I just like his. I like his play style, and I, he's a little bit more of a gamer than I thought. He's got yeah. mobility. Everyone says Eli, but Eli was a trailer quarterback who won two miraculous Super Bowls. So it's like, what can Eli. he do? I mean, you know, I, I, do you think so? You do you think he'll be better than Eli? 
Well, yeah. well, well it's, I, okay. I, I think it's a different player. I just think it's the mobile. I just like his mobility and his playmaking ability. I think they overperformed last year because of him. They should have been worse. And, you know, maybe I'm just thinking of that Tampa game when he his first game or whatever. How many but games? They won four games. What do you mean? I mean, but he also had, I mean, there was a game where he almost had a perfect passer rating. He had four touchdowns, no interceptions, 300 yards. Uh, he did better than anybody was expecting last year. I mean, granted, yeah, I guess I guess I'm just trying to say that I think he should maybe be in your mobile category. I yeah. Think. I would put him in your mobile category. Well, the I'm reason, so say. should Locke then. I, I would push back and say so should Locke should be in my mobile category in that case too because Locke came in and was lights out for when he played. So, nah, I mean, for a couple of weeks. I mean, I mean he, he really tailed off. You're, you're saying Daniel Jones is like agree, the reason Tommy. they were good. They won four games. I mean, Kyle Laletta probably could have won two games for this team. I, I don't think that, oh, you know. Come on, Lee. Come on. Uh, what? Some Dan, Danny uh, Dimes slander. They, they've, they've got Saquon. <laughs> like, I don't think that them winning four games is, like, impressive necessarily. Like, oh, Daniel Jones well, is I really. Think... Like, I think he would be in the mobile category if I liked him more coming into the draft. Like I said earlier, the sample size is really small, so obviously he can make me look stupid like quarterbacks have before. Um, but I'm putting my money on him not being Sam Darnold, him not being Kyler Murray, or even Lamar Jackson, who's already proven me wrong. I'm not even. I'm so, not even saying that. I just think that he could be. Well, those are the young guess, guys in my mobile category. So I, that's he's why he's a dark-haired Sam Darnold. For a lot of these, for a lot of these younger quarterbacks with potential, I think the ceiling is the Kirk Cousins, you know, uh, Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. kind of top fifteen guy. If you can get Daniel Jones to be a top fifteen quarterback consistently, that's a win. You know, that's a win. I think that's kind of the ceiling for a lot of these guys that we're talking about. You know, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins. I don't think um, that's a win, man. I think if you're drafting a quarterback in the top ten, you better be betting that they're going to be a top course. ten quarterback at some point in their career. Top yeah, five, of course, usually, but, you know, I mean. But come on, Lee, we, we only like, you know, you you only like one quarterback every year, two quarterbacks every year, and there's going to go, there's four that's going to be taken in the first round. So if you, as supposed to, I don't know what that's necessarily supposed to It's supposed, supposed to, to mean, mean that if, if you, in five years, if Justin Herbert's a top 15 quarterback and you being a guy who didn't believe in Justin Herbert or Jordan Love, whoever it be, that would be a win in your opinion. Right? I, 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 I'm not following what you're saying. It's just a little too – I don't understand the hypothetical, but we can we can move on. No, you got to be like me. I get, on the, I get on like the hype Daniel. train of, like, every quarterback when they come into the league. I'm like, this guy's the next, like, Tom Brady. Lee's more selective. In his... I'll make it clear. I think Daniel Jones' ceiling is the 15th best quarterback in the NFL. So – that's why I don't. I'm not going to put him in the mobile category because I don't think he'll ever be proven great. The I mo- mean, not to, the mobile not category to implies on, that you can not, be proven great. That you can. Not not to, I don't want to stay, like lag on Daniel Jones for too long. But like, what is what is so much like physically in terms of talent attributes? What what does Sam Darnold have that makes him so much better than Daniel Jones? T- I, I, I would purely reference. More I would purely more reference the fact that I watched more of Sam Darnold in college and liked him so much better as a prospect. And he's yeah. still 22, and Jones is still 22, or whatever it is. So it's very early in the process. So I still the sample size isn't really there. But I'm just saying it's it's more of a personal decision. Yeah, okay, I agree on. with that. But I, I just I want to get sold on Darnold a little bit because like I've been I have him what in my. What do you not average. like about Darnold's game? I think that Darnold is like you were talking about. Into, I, I was literally in my head. I saw this guy at his peak. He could be you know maybe you know. 80% of Matt Ryan or something. I think that he's just a jack of all trades and a master of none. I mean, what exactly does he kind of do spectacularly? He's got decent size, got decent accuracy. 
I mean, he's a good kid, and the Jets haven't done him any favors. He's been playing with absolutely nothing as the youngest quarterback to ever start a game in the NFL. So I'll give him a lot of credit for that. And like Lee said, I loved him at USC. You know, that Rose Bowl against Penn State was an absolute classic. Um, and that was his coming out party. That's when I was like, okay, this guy's going to be, you know, the top pick in the NFL draft whenever he comes out because he wasn't even eligible that year. But I just think so far, and it could be blamed on the Jets, they don't have a wide receiver one. Um, they had a terrible offensive line up until this year. Um, I just haven't seen a lot of flashes out of Darnold. He's had some games where he got it done. I liked how he kind of turned the Jets around after the one and seven start. But I'm sort of just trying to figure out what his main attribute is. I I don't know, Lee. I mean, I, I can go real quick. I just think it's the fact that he still has so much potential. He's still so young, and and what he's shown in an in our in a worse situation. I mean, other than Rosen, I think he's been in the worst situation of all the quarterbacks drafted. Like you said, awful offensive line. Jamison Crowder is your wide receiver one. I just think it's he doesn't. The thing with Darnold Mims is there is, now, boy. Yep, Mims <laughs> is there exactly. They got you got Denzel Mims. You got Mikai. The thing with Darnold is for it's been some of his processing, 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 uh, uh, and uh, you know, seeing ghost. Really, that's the oh only. Boy. That's the it's the fact that he's been he's proven to not been able to take care of the football as optimally as you'd want. But I still think the dude can make every throw in in the book. They ran a four seven four eight. Uh, can throw on the run really well as an improviser. Gives you I think he just has everything you'd want in in a quarterback. And the fact that. With his stats and, you know, what he's done in the past two years, most guys, would that would be it. You know, if Daniel Jones, if, you know, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, these guys, if they have those type of years, I think they're done. But the reason that Darnold is still going to be able to stick around is because he's immensely physically talented. Yeah. We all thought he was going to be the number one pick in the draft. So, mm-hmm. And I don't. I honestly don't think he's even had you know terrible years. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks their rookie year come out and throw twenty interceptions. And um, not to interrupt you, Dolan. They went seven and nine last yeah. year. They were one and seven. He came back yeah. when they were one and seven, and they finished seven and nine. They didn't have a. They had a pretty easy schedule, but still, that's the NFL. You're winning games every Sunday. They beat my Cowboys. Yeah, I, mean, I was just about that to was say. A high. So. Uh, I Dude, think they had I the think, easiest schedule when he was out, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he missed yeah, it. he yeah. missed some of the easiest games. So I mean, it proved even looking, just how, how how valuable he was to the team. I mean, the fact that you know they were noticeably like he. I guess maybe he was keeping them together more than I give him credit for, considering how bad they were when he was out. Yeah, the thing I'm looking for with Darnold is just for him to prove the factor that he had in college in the NFL, and you know you see it in flashes, but. It's one thing to do it from time to time. It's another thing to do it consistently, and that's why he's in my mobile category because I think if he yeah. can do it consistent, consistently, he can be elite, dare I say it. So, uh, But then yeah. again, we saw that Bills game last year, and if that happens again this year, you know, he, he, he might be moving from the mobile category. He might be moving to the wrong side, you know. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, if, if you, it, it's also kind of that, that Patriots game, like Tommy said, him seeing ghosts, that sort of sticks in the mind with him. And if you if you take – I know it's an absolutely terrible game, but if you take that um, game away from his season, you know, he had single-digit interceptions. And exactly. I, I, I had always been a – like I'd been a Sam Darnold guy, and I can see where you guys are coming from, but I'm just sort of looking for him to just, you know, show off some sort of trait that – a team can lean on just like I know I know he, he he's good in like every aspect but like sometimes it's good to just have one like elite whether it's you know pocket poise or whether it's uh deep balls or something just having something that your team can always rely on I want to see that with Darnold 
He's a he's a he's a son of the BJP for sure, though. He's yeah, dark. I mean, they can run the ball. If Le'Veon can have a pretty good year this year, and he just has a stable, you know, surrounding uh, core, I think he's going to be fine. So I mean, yeah, he got he got maybe like our consensus number one tackle. So I was on Jedrick Island. Yeah, yeah, nah, too short. Um, I I had I had kind of one last thing I guess I wanted to bring up. Not that I'm trying to wrap anything up or anything, but I had uh, Gardner Minshew and, and Jarrett Stidham as my bottom two guys. I, I didn't rank the rookie quarterbacks and Herbert, but I just put Minshew and Stidham at the bottom, and I think that they're you know probably career backups. And I just didn't really know if you guys had anything to say in terms of maybe one of you thinks they're going to be good or, or give me Minshew and Stidham over Mitch and Haskins any day. I'll say that. <laughs> I mean, I had them. I had them both over over Mitch and Foles. I had Mitch and Foles as the same same player. Yeah. And so I would take either of those guys over them. Um, Haskins, I'm not, I'm not quite sure, but yeah. I mean, I had both those guys at the bottom. Same. Those guys were at my bottom too, and I, I, I obviously had Trubisky last, but I even this was in my backups tier. I even, I think this is premature, but I just had there was no other tier for me to put Haskins the way that I put it, other than backups, just based on what he's shown. And I also put Derek Carr in backups because I think he's the most boring quarterback in the NFL, um, and I have a prophecy of Marcus Mariota starting at least eight games this year. Um, and Teddy Bridgewater, not as high on him. Yeah, I, I flip-flop, not as high on him as you guys are. I have him as a backup. Um, and I think that Gardner Minshew kind of falls in that same boat as Teddy Bridgewater, um, where these guys are, you know, honestly just career backups, I think. And I think that both the Panthers and the Jaguars are the two leading Trevor Lawrence candidates or, you know, Trevor Lawrence, whoever doesn't get him, gets Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Pick your poison. I think that those are the two teams who are kind of sort of in a rebuild right now. I think the Jags the and the Skins. I think the Jags and the Skins are in the rebuild too. I think the Skins. I think the Bears. The teams in the NFL. I, I think the Skins are coming out with a quarterback. I already said it. They're going to they're going to draft top three and they're taking a quarterback next year in the draft. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sold too. on that. I'll, <laughs> I was about to say, I mean, as I mean, I was high on Haskins coming out, but I mean, he looks to be in a uh, a real rough situation because that, I I think Washington might have the worst offensive line in the NFL. I, I mean, it's just not going to get any better for him, I don't think. So uh, he's going to be in a tough situation. Yeah, sure, but you got I don't know who their left tackle is. Uh, Nobody. It's also Nobody. like I know Tommy, you love Terry McLaurin, but the weapons are not necessarily great there in Washington either. Terry McLaurin got an elite receiver. You got an elite. You got an elite receiver. Okay, you can't say that. That's he's not elite. <laughs> if he's we'll elite, see. then what is Michael Thomas? You know, like what we'll is see. what is so see. Terry McLaurin and Michael Thomas are in the same category. I think Terry McLaurin is an, is an um, is a stud. And if you roll the tape from last year, you watch watch Darius Slay try to guard Terry McLaurin. Watch the I'm not saying he's in the NFL. Uh, there's a difference between him being a stud and him being an elite. And watch the Lions' the fat pass rush be unable to do anything against a miserable Redskins offensive line. It's beside hey, the clip. point. Regardless, they have a they have a they do not have great players. They They're relying on a lot Guys, of guys. I talked Terry McLaurin at Lions. Clef, I was just gonna say, watch Steven Sims pick up the muff the kickoff and then still take it 98 <laughs> yards to the crib. So. <laughs> And just uh, I guess, there are some guys that uh, I didn't get into, but maybe we should just end it with a little bit of Trubisky bashing. I, I had him. I, I wrote down next to his we'll name. start week one. I, 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 yeah. no, I go with Trubisky. I, Ryan Pace is a coward if Foles starts. Foles I mean, he already start. is a coward. Foles I want to bring up a guy that we haven't mentioned who I think uh, really impressed me last year, and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
I think he's a guy that yes. Yes. when we're talking about Philip Rivers and Big Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, give me Fitzpatrick over both of those guys. I think he kind of is similar. Oh, that's, dear that's a God. Terrible yeah, take. Definitely. You, he's you, better than Philip Rivers. What he did last year on that the Miami Colts, team. Okay, the Colts are going to prove you guys wrong this year, man. Phillip Rivers needs a little bit more organization and offensive prowess around him, and I think Frank Reich's going to bring just that. I'd much rather have Phillip Rivers than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'll tell you that much. Just because, you know, he stood on his head a little bit, and, and, and Miami cobbled a few wins together, you know, and he got 38 fantasy points one week. I just don't, you know, I think that there's a, there, there's a lot of booms and there's a lot of busts with Fitzpatrick, just like with the Fitzmagic train in Tampa and the eight other places he's been. He nearly made the playoffs with the Jets. I just think you know what you're going to get with Fitzpatrick, and it's kind of a roller coaster ride, and that's the reason why Miami is trying to move on to him and everyone else has tried to move on from, from him whenever they've gotten him. He's like Jose Valverde. I mean, he's just the ultimate, you know, relief pitcher. He's like Papa Grande coming in in the ninth. Like, you never Big know what potato. you're going to get. It's going to be exciting. He only respects Al Albuquerque and Joel's name. Oh, yeah, right. oh my Al God. Albuquerque's my boy. I have not heard that name in so long. That guy threw some gas. I think, uh, I, think, I, think, I, think Stidham, I think Stidham's really interesting because – I think he's clearly in this latter tier that we're talking about where his ceiling is kind of like a top 15 quarterback. But the dude's got athletic ability. He's got mobility. He's a good thrower. He was a five-star recruit. And, you know, you got Josh McDaniels running that offense. I know they don't have a, a big uh, – I don't know. I know they don't have, you know, a number one receiver. But they're going to be able to, I think, replicate kind of at least their offense with Brady last year. So I think, I think, I think he's interesting just because – if the Patri- if they win the AFC East and you know Sidham is kind of a game manager, uh, I still think he probably belongs in this in this tier. But I guess just because he's kind of the only unknown outside of the rookies on here, uh, he's he's interesting. I mean, I forgot to rank Stidham, so that just shows what I have to think about him. But the one thing that absolutely terrifies me about Stidham is Bill Belichick is incredibly confident in him. And that is a dangerous thing to see. He, we, he could come in and kind of – he is an underrated athlete, and I figured this out by running a fake field goal with the Patriots in Madden. He took it like 25 <laughs> yards to the crib. It's running. So uh, Stidham is – I don't see it out of him, but I'm scared of Bill Belichick being like, this is my guy and calling him Stid. Like, you don't see that too often. Yeah, I think that's a good point, but I don't think Stidham will ever be uh, more than a trailer quarterback. I think he can maybe – I think that's really all the Patriots need, though, is just a trailer quarterback. Like, I don't think they think they're getting the next Tom Brady out of this guy. So I think if he can be not even top 15, if he can just hover around 15, that they'll be okay and they can rely on their defense. That's kind of a trailer quarterback's job. Sidham's main job is just to get first downs and protect the football. You know, I, I just think yeah. that. And I think that he, he'll probably be able to do that. So, But as far as the conversation of him jumping into the proven great or mobile category or anywhere near – uh, you know, the top realm of quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, I don't even think the biggest Stidham fans believe that he's going to be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL ever. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't the point. I was, yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with both of you. I mean, hey, if you're Bill Belichick, why don't you take a flyer on a former number two overall draft pick, a guy with, like, you know, some good athleticism. Let's get Trubisky in that Patriot system and see what happens. Full starts week one. You see Trubisky get dealt over to New England. You have history. Another, uh, I kind of think another cliff, cliff year with, with Haskins potentially is, is Drew Locke, just because yeah. of the weapons that they invested on offense and the fact that the defense, I think, is ready to go. And if Locke kind of falters and you can have a, a really good position for either a young quarterback or a veteran quarterback to come in and have 
you know, some stud weapons at tight end and receiver and some good running backs. Uh, I think this is a huge year for, for Drew Locke in his first year as a starter. I completely agree, and I honestly, I think you guys know I love Drew Locke, but I think that the record last year was a, a little bit better than his performance, you know, kind of uh, actually earned. You know, a lot of those games were close games uh, that Denver still has a really good defense, and he kind of got lucky against the Chargers when he pulled the Joe Flacco and got that, you know, phantom pass interference at the end, airing it deep. Um, really the only truly impressive game he played against was the Texans, and hopefully he can keep doing that. But I think, like you said, Tommy, they got so many damn weapons now with Judy and KJ and Cortland Sutton, Noah Fan, uh, Melvin Gordon, and Phillip Lindsay. I think this guy's got a really short leash. If he doesn't come out and show that you know he's the guy this year, you know John Elway likes to bounce around with his QBs. Um, I, I'm going to feel bad for my guy if he's not kind of like lights out this year. Lee off top, Broncos win total seven and a half. Under. Yeah. I think it's a flat. I, I think it's a flat seven this year for the Broncos. Tough. I would it's say though, if it's if it's not seven, I think it might be nine or ten. Um, but I. What if it. What if I say What if I I tell you seven and a half, and I guarantee you that uh, Herbert starts for the LA Chargers in both games against the Broncos. Under. Doesn't change a thing. Uh, yeah, I probably would still say under to be honest, because I, I think they go one and one either way to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we didn't even uh, Herbert is going to start day one. We didn't even talk about no, T. Rod. No, no, no. no. Who starts? Uh, Tua or Herbert? I would go as far as to say I don't think Justin Herbert is going to start a game in the first twelve weeks of the NFL season. Well, then he's going to be next year's Drew Locke, and he's going to come he in and go be. You know, four he and zero, oh, five and zero, oh, whatever it is. <laughs> Um, uh, and that, then in my up, in my tier, right wait, I, I just want in my tier six, I had uh, number fifty-two, uh, Adam Klepp, freshman quarterback. Yep, we loved it here. Yep. <laughs> he was my thirty-two. I had him our just. Last, over, he he yeah. had to prove his worth in our, one of our last BFL games. Don't forget about JV year. I was showing out in practice. Coach Johnson gave me that start against Avondale under the lights at night. I mean, oh. Leon, man. We yeah. all know. We all know that I had some. I had some off the field issues. That's the only reason. <laughs> there were some interdisciplinary issues that led to Klepp starting that game. Hey, hey, it was a TD drive. Was, no, you yeah. can't. Can't deny that. Can't deny was, that. Klepp put on a beautiful drive. Probably took about eight minutes off the clock in the first drive, moving the football. Oh my field. god. <laughs> Midline on third and three. No problem. I'll get you four. Yeah. That's what happened inside the twenty. That's what happened inside the twenty. <laughs> Clef, uh, how about this if, if you can't go 10 from 10 from the 30 in, in, in field goals every listener gets a free subscription to the BJ oh, oh, wow. 10 for 10 is a tough ask man hey, tough. But, hey, getting inside pre- the 30 inside the 30 yeah. uh, so I guess that is I, I can give you 9, 9 from 10 9 for 10 from 29 Yeah. yeah. With, with a couple warm ups I, I feel like that's possible you're already better than Nate Freeze. <laughs> and Alex Henry. And Alex Henry, yeah. Yeah, that bald son. Not Harvard Ruglan, though. Kickalicious. Oh, <laughs> my God. Guy. Oh, my God. Yeah, the first guy to ever get signed from a YouTube video. Only the Lions. Any, uh, <laughs> any last remarks, boys? Uh, a lot I'm of all set. Good just, pod. Just a great pod. Just one thing that I've come to the conclusion from with this conversation, there 
are, you know, very few set in stone elite quarterbacks in the league. And there are so many just, you know, guys kind of floating around where we sort of got to figure out where we're going to put them. So just when I was making this list, I was having a lot of fun because I was like, you know, damn, there's so many state like such high stakes for so many quarterbacks going into this season. And like, I like how Lee had the mobile group of players who can move up or down because I think that's literally like two thirds of the quarterbacks in the league right now. Maybe uh, maybe next year when we do this podcast, we can all do the same rankings. It'll probably flow a little bit better. <laughs> nah, you gotta keep.